Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello and welcome to Women and Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Burnell and I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, Inc. and your host for today's show. Today we're excited to have with us Lydia DiLiello. Lydia is CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants, a revenue management and business consultancy dedicated to improving profitability for its clients through strategic, operational, and tactical recommendations. Lydia brings more than 23 years of global revenue management and business leadership expertise to her clients. She's also worked in over 16 countries and with both Fortune 500 and privately held firms. Lydia, welcome, and I hope I didn't butcher your last name. (laughs) Thank you, Fran, for the kind welcome, and not at all. You got it exactly right. Perfect. Hey, I'd love to start by you giving us a little bit of introduction to Capital Pricing Consultants, how you started this company, what the company's mission is. This is it. I love, I love, love, love what you do, and it is so needed in the manufacturing community. Take it away. Give us a little bit of introduction. Thank you, Fran. It's so wonderful to find a kindred spirit who understands what I do because I think half of the mission of Capital Pricing Consultants, honestly, Fran, is to educate manufacturers and really companies of all industries about what's possible when you intentionally control your pricing and when you make very specific decisions about how you utilize price in the marketplace. Revenue management really covers a very wide variety of disciplines, if you will, relative to its pricing, its finance, its marketing. But the core mission of capital pricing is to help clients of any size increase and sustain profitability. So not just get a quick hit, because so often, most especially in manufacturing, we're able to do that. We get a cost break. We capture that increase to profit, and we feel like we're on top of the world. But it lasts Mm -hmm. six months, you know, climate changes, and then all of a sudden we're underwater. So my goal is to ensure sustainable policies and processes that help clients build on profitability. I came to this profession totally by accident. I had graduated with my MBA and was working for General Motors out on the line on second shift. So I've seen manufacturing from a lot of different aspects. There was a requirement that we had to work on the line nine months and then we could post for any job we wanted. And so I began posting furiously to get off of second shift, which is not me at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I happened into competitive intelligence, which was an office job. And from there, we actually developed a whole pricing department for General Motors over an 11-year time period. So I spent 20, actually 25 years in corporate America with both Fortune 500, obviously General Motors, and then privately held plastics manufacturing company. And at the end of a very successful software pricing transformation that I spent nine years with this manufacturing company, I said, you know, I think that there's more companies that need help. 
Mm-hmm. And I have a real passion for sharing this knowledge and helping clients because once they get it, they have the tools to then really much better control their own destinies, no matter what the market throws at them. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a, an overview of how I got here. So number one, you probably got major props from our listeners by telling them that you actually worked on a GM line on second shift. That's amazing. (laughs) And the other thing I would say is, so you have worked the other side of the equation. You were the person that was driving pricing for parts providers to GM a lot of our listeners would likely say, wow, she was like Satan's daughter. (laughs) That's probably one of the kindest things I've been called, Fran. (laughs) And and it's very true. I've I've sat on both sides of this fence. And so the training that I had sitting in procurement with GM really was fantastic. That coupled with spending that almost year on the line really taught me a great deal about how the business works in totality. I enjoy doing both. I enjoy negotiating, but I have to be honest, my true love is helping clients figure out how to work with those procurement people and Mm -hmm. create win-wins. It sounds trite, but it's really necessary. Yeah. And it sounds like you have, you clearly have great experience over a good portion of your career on the flip side of the coin. So you really know how to advise manufacturing companies of how to deal with these procurement people. Can you talk a little bit about proactive versus reactive pricing? This is really where I like to start, Fran, with all of my clients. We're all so busy doing our job and getting through the day that we are naturally in reactive mode. And it's very difficult to carve out time to say, we are going to set aside these many hours or or these couple of days and determine a strategy of how we want to be seen in the marketplace by our suppliers, by our customers, and set a one-year strategy for what are we doing with our pricing. I think Mm -hmm. for the vast majority of us, what happens is, you know, oh, shoot, our competitor down the street just dropped price 15%. Now what do we do? And, Mm. And so, so often we react by, well, we better drop price instead of stepping back and saying, wait a minute, just because they chose to jump off the cliff doesn't mean we ought to follow. And we have a value proposition that's very different than theirs. And we offer the following value additives that they don't offer. So our price should be higher. Do you help your clients develop that messaging of their value proposition? Absolutely. That's one of the key things I insist on. Because Mm -hmm. if they don't see the value themselves, then they can't sell it and they can't profess it in a way that's real. And far too often, most of my clients are giving away that value. They have integrity. They, they have a passion for what they do. They service their customers at 150%. So they expect that of themselves, but they forget that it's a give and take in business and they need to be taking as part of this right. equation. It's funny. I don't know. I forget if last time we spoke, I shared with you the fact that I started my career in servicing the manufacturing community as an industrial auctioneer. So I was helping manufacturers exit who needed, there was some sort of need for speed. And more times than not, it was because they were in deep financial trouble. So the scenario that you just told where 
the guy up the street lowered his price by 15%. Oh, my gosh, what do we do? I have seen that play out literally thousands of times, and I've seen that is a losing proposition. Talk a little bit about that, what happens as people acquiesce and just lower their price. So I think a lot of different dynamics feed into that, Fran. Most certainly, the first of which is it's emotional. We're all human, Mm -hmm. and we don't want to be beat. So there's a competitive issue there. There's a, hey, is my business at stake relative Mm to we've all had a quarter, hopefully not more than a quarter, but a month, a quarter, where the numbers haven't looked the way we want them to. And so we get nervous about sustainability. So we start to grab for whatever we can relative to business. I call it a race to the bottom because what happens is (laughs) if you meet that 15% down, the guy up the street says, ah, shoot, she just lowered her price. I better lower mine further. And before we know it, we're so busy bidding against each other that all we're doing is taking money out of our own pockets as well as each other's. And it goes nowhere. So I'm a huge advocate with my clients of we do not engage in price wars. We simply do not participate. And we never participate in reverse auctions, which I think is the worst thing. It's poison to a business. Absolutely. It's no win for everybody in the industry. You know, eventually the guy that keeps lowering his price is going to hit the auction block. He's going to go out of business, right? And then that OEM is going to move to the next supplier and do the same thing with him. It's just, it's horrible for the industry. Are there ever times, Lydia, where you advise your clients to lose a customer? proactively lose a customer? I love how you put that, Fran. Absolutely. I suggest that clients fire customers all the time. And that's probably the the second time where I get called names. They look (laughs) at me like I've lost my mind. But I had one substantial client who, it was their single largest customer. And I know you see cartoons written about this, but it really is reality. When they finally agreed, to release that customer and they gave them plenty of of runway and warning and wanted to work together, set new prices, et cetera. Client was not interested. They just wanted the cheapest price. And when my client finally walked away six months later, their overall margins were up 10 margin points, not 10%, Fran, 10 margin points. So that's amazing. I, I encourage it all the time. And that doesn't count the drain on the organization, the inefficient use of hours and time, the angst of arguing back and forth with with typically very high-maintenance customers that are very low margin. Mm-hmm. Are so there times, upside. I'm sorry, are there times, no, Lydia, when you would advise a manufacturing client to lower the price when there is price pressure? Are there situations where that's actually advisable for a certain type of customer? So I would answer that, Fred, in two ways. The first is only if they make trade-offs relative to their value proposition. So if they are going to reduce the price, they have to reduce the value offering. So the customer does not get as much as they were getting before. It's a different Mm -hmm. offering Mm -hmm. for a lesser price. And then the second thing is, if I work with a client whose price lists are clearly misaligned and do not make sense given the value proposition, then on a one-time basis to realign 
in totality all of the products with one another, for example, in the marketplace, those are cases where a price could come down without changing the value offering, but only in context of a total strategic overview. Mm, Okay. So a true negotiation where there's a give and a take. Okay. Absolutely. What do you see as the biggest challenges currently in the market in pricing? So I believe the competitive environment is becoming more difficult because of the availability of information to all of us all the time. And the perspective relative to sorting through all of that media coverage of, is this really germane to me? And if so, how impactful could it be for my business? So that old mountain and molehill thing, we are so inundated. I think, Fran, our ability to determine what has such significant effects can be overlooked. For example, I think this whole issue with the tariffs with China really hit many manufacturers very hard because so many of us thought initially, this is noise, this is political posturing, et cetera, et cetera. And by the time we came to realize what this could potentially mean to us, many of my clients had already lost five to seven margin points because they were being reactive initially or believing this is going to go away. I'll weather the storm and and I've got my business to run. I don't have time to go deal with all these tariffs. The clients that have done the best are those who took the time to step away and say, what's my strategy? How far will I go with these tariffs? How am I passing this on to my current customer base? So I believe things like tariffs are still an issue in the marketplace. I don't think it's over yet. How long do you think this will be an issue? I don't want to sound negative, but I think this could be an issue for quite a long time. Just yesterday, Business Insider published that current administration is hoping to postpone negotiations with China till after the November presidential election. So you figure that's nine months out already. And then depending upon what happens in the elections may determine then what next steps are relative to those tariffs. So I don't see this going away short term. And I encourage all manufacturers to really take a look at what the impact has been to them so far and to set a plan in place now not to wait because the waiting is eating at their bottom line every day it goes on. Interesting. Yet, do you find that with regard to the effect on U.S. manufacturing from the tariffs, are certain sectors affected more than others are you seeing? As far as size of a manufacturing company, are large companies more affected than smaller companies? Speak into that a little bit if you can. So, friend, based on what I've seen to date, I would say it's very much predicated by what the companies are actually currently purchasing. So, for example, I work with a a Fortune 500 who procures a great deal of steel. So, obviously, Mm -hmm. they are very significantly impacted because they are purchasing thousands of tons on a monthly basis of steel. However, I have smaller manufacturers that were dealing with predominantly imported electronics. And those also were subject to those tariffs. They too, while they are a small size company, they are being dramatically impacted because most of what they are reselling has been subject to that tariff. And so Mm -hmm. they've had to increase their prices 
to try to offset it and without changing their value, trying to sell the exact same thing at now a higher price is a difficult push in the marketplace because consumers Mm -hmm. are frustrated. Yeah, they sure are. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would like you to, if you don't mind, cover perhaps someone listening, a small manufacturer listening who's struggling with pricing. They're being pressured by their customers to lower prices consistently. Give them some suggestions, maybe the top three things they can do or consider doing to avoid this downward spiral of price reduction. So the first thing is they have to understand the value that they are selling. What need are they filling for their customer? So the first Mm -hmm. thing I would suggest is ask yourself, what need do I fill? Is it a need of convenience? Is it a need of service? Because what we provide our customers isn't just our product. There's far more than that. Is it that they know they can reach you 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Is it that you offer best in class and you have testing to back it up? Do you offer to deliver within your client's requirements? Maybe they like Tuesdays at 4 o'clock and you've just always done that. So make a Mm -hmm. list of every single thing you do that is of value to your customers. Because by by looking at those, you may surprise yourself. So often when I work with clients, they say, well, but we've always done that for John or for Judy. Yes, but now Judy expects it, and she needs to be willing to pay for that value. That's Mm -hmm. 4 o'clock delivery on Tuesday. The second thing I would do is try to be aware of what's driving your competitor to drop those prices. Are they having financial issues? Is there something going on in their supply chain that is driving them to drop prices? Did they Mm -hmm. perhaps just purchase a significant amount of product at a discounted rate? Now they have an opportunity to pass that on and they're hoping to capture market share. But Mm -hmm. understanding why it's being done gives you more perspective and helps you avoid that reactive knee jerk to say, let me just go drop this price. And the third thing I would suggest, Fran, and, and we have to talk to ourselves during the day when we, we run and work in businesses, and it's as much about meeting with your colleagues that are not direct competitors and exchanging information to understand what are they seeing in the marketplace? Is there real validity to this price pressure, or is it being created artificially by those nasty Mm. people in procurement who like to make it look like there's pressure when there really isn't? And the last thing I would say, and this is very tactical, is if they are working with a procurement person, slow the negotiations down. Don't be so afraid that you're going to get dropped from that supplier's list. But instead of responding immediately, as a procurement person, I would probably call you three times a day, Fran, and say, have you decided yet, Fran? I really need this answer. I'm going to move on. I need a different supplier. Of course, that's all focus. focus. If you stop responding to me, I'm going to get a little nervous because you've been a great supplier, Fran, and Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, maybe I need to back off. Mm -hmm. So slow that negotiation down. Don't answer the phone give it a day, and then go back with your list of all the things that you've done for that supplier and try to understand what their end goal is. Wow, that's great advice. I love the first one, which so many people, so many manufacturers, it's amazing, traveling nationally, people will say to me, but I'm only a job shop. 
and I will I'll say to them, no, you're not. No, you're not just a job shop. You're a customer service organization. And let's look at all the ways that you help your customers. And it's just flipping that switch and looking at it differently really gives you a different perspective in negotiation. They are valuable service providers, and some of their customers couldn't survive without them. Absolutely. And I teach actually a lot of these tactics, Fran, in a workshop that I'll be giving for the Professional Pricing Society. So there is a a global organization that teaches people at all levels how to price. I sit on their board of advisors, and I do a workshop for them at their conference coming up in Chicago, and that'll be in April. And Mm -hmm. my workshop is one day on April 29th, and it is called Combating Professional Procurement Tactics. You know what? Every every small manufacturer in the United States should be at that event. I just know so many people that need it. Where can people go online to learn more about this event and how to sign up and how to attend? So they can go to my website, which is www.capitalpricingconsultant.com, and I have a link on my website. And they can also go to www.pricingsociety.com. And again, the date of this is April 29th. And those mm-hmm. links, Fran, will be up in the next two weeks. Wonderful. I have not yet sent the final links, but within two weeks, those will be up. That's great. I love what you do. And it's so needed in the manufacturing community. Just absolutely fabulous. Hey, I also wanted to ask you, you just received kind of an award. You were named to the Pros to Know by Supply and Demand Chain Executive Magazine. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Fran. I'm I'm really excited and delighted to be included in that list. Yeah, I'm sure you are. That's absolutely wonderful. That's about, is there anything else you'd like to cover, Lydia? No, I'm really pleased, Fran. Thank you so much for your time. And I really hope that our manufacturing community will reach out. Contact me anytime. I always like to help fellow manufacturers. And, you know, that's what this country's built on is manufacturers. So we all got to stick together and keep doing what we do, which is produce products and services for our clients. That's right. I absolutely love your passion. Clearly, you love what you do and it shows. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Fran. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.